You're listening to the Grace Reformed Church Podcast. This is part three in our sermon series, Zoe, the God Kind of Life. All right. Um, God bless the preaching of His Word. As you know, we've been um, looking at this word called Zoe, which means life. So on the screen is a stretched, wider picture of Ines and Marilette. And they are in the building, and they can, you can for yourself see that they are actually skinnier than on the screen. But... What I wanted to show for you, just as a, uh, an intro to this life aspect we're going to look at today, is that our cat, Tigger, who's now 10 years old, had a near-death experience, and we had to take him to the vet because he was at death's door, and um, Marilette and Ines are both veterinary doctors, so um, I'm always happy if one of them is you know, uh, available to see my pets, because I know, being the pastor, maybe they'll, they'll just make extra sure the pets um, they get, because... Otherwise, I might not be able to preach on Sunday. But the interesting thing happened on the day. Marilette took the cat, and he was on this table, and she lifted, you know, the skin on the, behind their necks, like if they're young, the moms carry them. So she lifted up that skin like that, and then she let go, and it stayed up. And she said, this cat is dehydrated. So whatever's making him sick means that he's not, getting moisture in, and I thought, my goodness, that's amazing, and now, uh, I don't know if it's weird, but every now and then, I, I check him, and I take his neck skin, I lift it up, <laughs> and it plops right back down, and it's like a, yeah, you're still fine, so I'm not sure if that works on dogs, I tried it, but yeah, what, what part of, you know, the me- they gave him medicine and pulled him through, but part of fixing him was rehydrating him. So he was dehydrated. He needed to get moisture back into his life. Um, we say jokingly that our cat lost a few of his nine lives. And since returning from Ines, I'm not sure what you guys do, but he's turned out to be the nicest cat ever. He was always a bit snobbish. Now he's chilled and you can hug him and he lies next to you. Maybe he's become a Christian cat having had a near-death experience. Um, but what we want to talk about today is the, the, the word zoe, and today it's looking at the aspect of water of life. So you could put water of zoe. Zoe is this Greek word in our Bibles where, that speaks of life, but life on the inside, not just simply to be alive or to have a body or the way we feel and think. Those are different, you know, body, soul, spirit. We talk about the spirit part. The life on the inside, life that God gives. Think of the breath of God to be spiritually alive. And Jesus also speaks of giving us um, waters of life. Revelation uh, 21.6 speaks of the river of life. And um, those who are in Christ get to drink from the springs of the water of life. So we, we want to today highlight from what Jesus says that Being a Christ follower means that he puts his Holy Spirit in us, and Jesus promised us that the Holy Spirit will be a fountain in us that springs forth water of life. But any Christian, and even the disciples, if you read their life stories, can testify sometimes our well runs a bit dry, and we need to rehydrate. We need to go back to the source and get some rehydration again. I'm going to mention um, three examples for you from Scripture. The first one is the woman at the well. Remember the story from John 4, the Samaritan woman, how Jesus went and sat at the well, and this woman came from the village, a Samaritan village. It's very important to remember from last week, the Samaritans. Remember what James and John wanted to do to the Samaritans when 
one of the towns didn't want to receive Jesus. They wanted to call down fire from heaven. They said, Lord, say the word and we'll call down fire from heaven. And Jesus gave them the nickname Sons of Thunder because of their uh, you know, feistiness about dealing with those who aren't followers of Christ. But Jesus said to them, he rebuked them and says, this is not what I'm about. So now we find other instances of where Jesus deals with the Samaritan. There's the parable of the, uh, um, the, the good Samaritan. Remember that parable as well? So that he highlights them often. And here we see him interacting with a woman, and, and he says to her, um, give me some water to drink. And she says, you, you, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. I'm a woman. You're a man. The rules of society says we shouldn't be talking to each other. And there's this uh, long conversation between Jesus and this woman. You can go read. It's quite intriguing. But Jesus is trying to get past all their excuses, all the busy conversation. Now, sometimes if, if you get too close to someone's nerve, you know, their heart, they might change the topic and talk about the weather. You know, let's just not talk about what, what's so sensitive to me. And she was doing that. She was trying to change the topic to lots of things, but Jesus always moving forward to what's in her heart. At one point, um, he says to her, go call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And then he gave her a word of knowledge that says, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five. And the one you've got now is not your husband. So she was living with a man. And Jesus very tactfully pointed that out, but not casting her out. Not saying, oh, because you're a woman and I'm a man, you are cast out. Because you're a Samaritan, I'm a Jew, you are cast out. Because you are living in sin, you are cast out. He was saying to her, I know you. I see you in your brokenness, and yet I'm here reaching out to you. And she had to get her mind around it. And in the, in, in the end, Jesus reveals to her that he's the Messiah. And in a moment, she turns from being this tired, tired, empty woman. That's complaining because she always has to walk long distance out of town and you know, get water from the well and take it back to her home. That's a life existence. Suddenly, she comes alive. Instantly, she becomes an evangelist because she returns to town and says to the whole town of Samaritans, I met the Messiah. He told me everything of my life, things he could not have known. And then the, the townspeople follow her out back to, the, to Jesus waiting at the well with his disciples and this time, they say, please stay with us. Remember how they didn't, one of the others might have been a different town, didn't want Jesus to stay in their town, and that's why the disciples wanted to call down fire from heaven. But now this Samaritan town says to Jesus, please stay with us. And that passage says, he stayed with them two days, and then many believed in him. And he was saying to this woman, if I will give you water of life, water that will well up within you, that you will never thirst again. It's a spiritual thing. But he was saying to her, your need is not the thirst of your throat. It's deeper. You have a, a heart need, an inside thirst for something more. And he met that. And interesting how he, um, now when he says that, uh, I'll put it on the screen, John 4 verse 14, he says to this woman, whoever drinks the water... I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them 
will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Did I not have that up the whole time I was speaking? Can you change the slides for me? Because I get so into my sermon I forget to do that because I can't see it. I'm losing track. So I'm going to just point and you help me. So there's the picture of Jesus and the woman. All right? You see that now? The next slide is the verse. John 4, 14. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In another passage, John 7, it says uh, uh, springs of water will flow from their insides. And this is what happened. She received water on the inside. You know, spiritual thirst was quenched. And it was welling up in her, and she could not keep it for herself. It was you know, literally, if a fountain wells up, what does it do? It overflows. It goes somewhere else. And from her to her fellow village people was flowing this water of life out of her to others. And now others' thirst are also going to be quenched because she experienced the quenching of a thirst. And that's... That's this essence of when Jesus says, Zoe is life on the inside, but this time speaking about the water of life is a picture of how Christ gives us life on the inside, and when it bubbles up, if we allow it to, you know, to just well up and well up to overflowing in us, it will flow on to people around us. And it should. And I think that's how people taste and see that God is good, because it overflows from us to others. My brother Peter, um, uh, one, you know, uh, probably two years ago, he told me that he, uh, he lives in Brisbane. He was driving home, and on the corner, he saw two old ladies sitting on the grass, kind of like on the side of the hip, with scissors cutting the grass. And he thought, why are they doing that? So he drove past, he was thinking about that, then he thought, no, 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 no. He turned around, drove into the yard, and said to the ladies, um, can I help you? Why are you cutting the the, the grass with scissors. And they said, well, this is a, a, a rental property. And they said, if we don't cut the grass, they're going to throw us out because we need to maintain the place. But we don't have a mower. Um, and we don't have strength. So they took scissors from the kitchen and they cutting the, the grass with scissors. My brother said, you know what? Don't worry about it. You go inside. I'm going to go home. I'll get my mower. I'll mow it for you. And I'll come by once a month and just take care of your garden. And as he shared this with me, he, as a pastor, I'm thinking, well, did you evangelize them? Um, did you give them a tract? Uh, you know, is, it, are, are they being invited to church? And he said nothing of that. And I think sometimes it becomes a bit of a, um, although those things are good and right, it could become also a very religious thing we do instead of really just loving people. And let that love lead them organically also to Christ. Of course, always, that's the ultimate, that others would know Christ. But he didn't, he didn't help them because they were lost. He helped them because he was saved. Can you, does that make sense? He didn't show goodness to them because they were lost. And if I show goodness, maybe they'll come to church. No, because he was saved, he was able to show goodness to people. That's what it means when it says that the life in us, Christ's life, will be like a fountain bubbling to overflowing to other people. But Jesus does say that all of us that walk with him need to, no, it's a, in many ways, see, to guard our hearts because it's the wellspring of life. And from it flows all things, you know, like the words flow out of our mouth, our heart. So we don't want to have 
bitter rivers flow to other people. And sometimes if we get bruised and you know, we get broken and life squeezes us too hard and we, we're not able to process that or deal with it well, sometimes our well gets bitter. And when people come close to us, what they taste is bitterness. And then if, if I'm a child of God, I need to say, Lord, change my heart. Change my heart so that I'm more like Christ and that what I show to the world around me is the goodness of God, that they can taste and see that God is good. Um, and I'm sure all of us can ma- mention many examples of this. Uh, here's a one that I want to ha- put on the screen for you. That's um, Lelani and um, Pietru. And the, the lady on the top left is Jody. Now, Jody's been in our church a few times. Didn't, she was not a member, didn't come often, but now and then Jody would show up, and mostly when uh, you know, uh, her friends like Lelani and Pietro would invite her to church and sit with her in church. And um, they met her when Lelani bought a dog of her, Bia, the Alsatian therapy dog. Remember the therapy dog in church? So it was Jody's when it was still young. Uh, um, I'm not sure how old, a puppy or whatever, but Lelani bought it of her. And when she met Jody, Jody was lonely. Jody had a lot of hurt. Jody had a past that was not easy. She was walking still a very hard road. And from Christian friends like Lelani and uh, um, Pietru, goodness flowed to her. Not because she was lost and needed saving, although that be true. Goodness flowed to her because Lelani, Pietra, and others were saved. You see how that's like a, a natural thing? And goodness was that they would take her meals. If she was sick, they'd organize. And sometimes the church would organize meals through our diaconate fund. And there was care. And then, I think it was, Pietra, was it a week ago, two weeks ago, she passed away? Three weeks ago that she passed away? And the family remembering these friends who cared so much through the years said, please come attend the funeral and bring Bia, the therapy dog, as well. Yes, of course, we want to reach out to people, and the prayer is, yes, they'll be saved. But I think Jesus is the example of, like with the Samaritans, that town rejected him, but he didn't call down fire from heaven. In fact, he goes to this village and says, some believed in him, not all believed in him. Yet he showed goodness to them. May we be the same. Next slide. The second example, <clears throat> excuse me, where Jesus speaks of um, waters of life, living waters, is in John 7. So this series we're doing in Zoe is mostly from the book of John. Every Sunday, highlighting passages of John. And in John 7, we find an interesting event occurred. Go home and read that chapter. Because it starts where Jesus is still living at home with his brothers and mom. We, Joseph's not in the picture. We think he, because he, in early years of Jesus, he's mentioned and then not at all. So we think he passed away. But his brothers say to him in chapter 7, it's time for the Passover. Aren't you going to Jerusalem? Because any prophet who wants to be known goes there. That's how you become known to the people. And then it says there, and they did not believe in him. So Christ was making known to his family and those around him that he is not just a man, he's the son of man. He's Christ the Messiah. 
And the brothers would have heard this and they would have thought, who are you to say that? And then, oh, prophets, brother, oldest brother prophet, are you going to Jerusalem? And he says, that, uh, the, it's quite intriguing, he says to them, no, I'm not going. Um, and they went without him. And a few days later, he secretly went to Jerusalem. You see how Jesus was needed to use tact and not throw his pearls before the swine, so to speak. And he, he was in the shadows because he knew at that point that a lot of people, a lot of the Pharisees wanted to murder him. They had plans to arrest him and plans to take him out because word of him was spreading around and they didn't like what people were saying that, is he the Messiah? Is he the chosen one? He goes there, and then on the last day of the feast, the most important day of the feast, he stands up, and then in John seven thirty-seven, he says this to the crowd, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for Scripture declares, rivers of living water will flow from their heart. When he said living waters, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. So before the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh, all believers, the time leading up to uh, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, in the, like in the Old Testament, would rest on certain individuals. But when Jesus um, ascended to heaven, as he promised, uh, was it 40 days after? The Holy Spirit was poured out on all believers. And now everyone who is a Christ follower, can receive the Holy Spirit. And he says, that is, my spirit in you is a well of water bubbling up and flowing from his heart. See that yellow bit? Rivers of living waters will flow from his heart. That's such a good reminder because I've got this uh, Muslim friend, uh, Mamun, that I sometimes, you know, the first big, uh, when I met him, I went for a few weekly coffees with him because he was just broken and lonely, lost his marriage, lost his children. Life was upside down, and by God's coincidence, our paths crossed. But it's been probably a year and a half now, two years maybe, since I've met him. So we don't do that many coffees anymore. And um, the other day, he sent me a text, um, let's catch up for coffee. And being a nice guy and liking coffee, I tend to go to those meetings. But driving there, I was thinking, Lord, it doesn't look like he's going to become a Christian. Now, in the beginning, I think, ooh, what if he becomes a Christian? What if he, he, because he, he came to church a few times. He even went to a family camp for, for lunch with us there. And you kind of think, man, what if he becomes a Christian? How cool would that be? And now as two years on, I think, oh, that's not working out. And the thought crossed my mind, maybe I'm wasting my time. Because it's not leading to his salvation. And then this is what God was reminding of. Let him taste of the goodness of God. It might lead to salvation. That's in God's hands, not mine. But even if it doesn't, should we not still be good to all people? And should not the goodness of God flow from us to them? I think that's what Jesus was saying. This life that he gives us is not to be kept for ourselves, but that his goodness will flow from us to others. You can't save the whole world or reach the whole world, but you can reach one or two or three around you. Our neighbor Anna, um, 
she's, I've, I've mentioned her before, she's an uh, elderly lady, lives on her own, very frail, re, uh, uh, old age, and a lot of um, diseases in the body, to the point where we think she should actually be in an old age home at this point, but she's still there. But we take her dustbins out, and we put them back, because it's hard for her to do it. One morning she got her hair tangled in a robe and she had her arm in a sling and she phoned us, please, crying, can you help? And went next door and helped her untangle her hair. And same thing, you kind of think in the beginning when we met her, what, what if we show goodness and she comes to church? And, and that hasn't happened yet. In actual fact, she at one point mentioned how she doesn't like Christians and then she found out I'm a pastor. Like, and then we kind of think, well, we better behave. <laughs> <laughs> and not yell at the kids too much, um, or the dogs now, the kids are grown, because uh, Anna might hear, but we hear her yelling at her dog, so maybe it's all right. She said to Cecilia and I the one day, is this your second marriage? I said, no, 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 first marriage. She said, oh, because you were walking down, I watched you walking, you were holding hands, I thought it must be your second marriage. <laughs> so she's this really intriguing person. And at this point, it doesn't look like she's coming to church at this point or that she's going to become a Christian. But should we stop letting the goodness of God be known because it doesn't lead to the next point, which we pray always. And we pray that for Anna and for others. You know, salvation, the ultimate gift. Let goodness, the goodness still be known. Last one, third point I want to illustrate for you. Um, I think to fully understand what Jesus was saying there. In Jerusalem, the last day of the Passover, he said, anyone who's thirsty, come to me, and living waters will flow from his heart. To, to really appreciate that, we want to highlight one more example. And this is from the Old Testament, where the context is that Hezekiah is king. And he was one of the best kings that Israel or, or Judah had. In, he was reigning in Jerusalem and Judah, because remember there was a divided kingdom, Israel to the north and then Judah in the south. But most of the kings were evil and rotten and worshipped idols and built idols. But Zezekiah, he walked in the ways of God. And he reinstituted the Passover feast, which is commanded to the Jews in Scripture. They commanded every year, you must celebrate this feast. And they'd neglected it for years. So this new king comes and he tears down the, the um, idols that had been built for people and the, the, the poles, uh, Asherah poles and things. And he reinstitutes worship of God, Jehovah. And he's, he gets the people to celebrate again the Passover. So he restores temple worship. A godly man. Soon after, we see that the, um, the Syrian king starts invading the land and besieges one city after the other. Because there were a lot of, besides Jerusalem, there were other cities that had walls and uh, you know, were up on mountain sides to be safe. So this Assyrian king would besiege one city, uh, conquer it, and then move on to the next. And Hezekiah knew that this king is coming for him. And he actually sent letters ahead. And um, what Hezekiah then did was to prepare for the coming of this king, this enemy. And I just want to, this is the one thing, just this one thing I want you to get today. Hezekiah closed the wells in the countryside around Jerusalem so that this king, this evil conqueror, 
would not have water for his troops or his horses, but for his people in the city, he dug with his engineer through the walls of a mountainside um, a pathway for water so that Jerusalem could always have water. Because when they besiege a city, you're cut off from going out to rivers and, and wells on the outside. So Hezekiah, they, there was one well that was hidden, and through the rock, the engineers, and it's amazing to think they did it back then, they cut a tunnel leading into Jerusalem that would not be seen by the enemy because it was underground, and Jerusalem would always have water even if they are surrounded by an enemy. And that to me is a beautiful picture of us living in a world surrounded by evil, and we know there is evil in this world. But still on the inside, we always have that connection with God. These troops, Isaiah, there's a few places where they tell the story of King Hezekiah. Isaiah 37 records um, these troops yelling out at the people on the wall, Do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you by saying that Jerusalem will not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. So they were saying, the God you believe in, the living God, God of the Bible, He's a deceiver. Do not believe what he says. He cannot deliver you from the, the hands of the king of Assyria. Well, Hezekiah you know, received a letter with uh, uh, the same threat given into his hand. And what he then did, we read that in 2 Kings 19, he took that letter from the enemy, he went to the temple, and he spread it out before the Lord. Because he done what he could. He, he fortified the walls. He dug that tunnel for water. He couldn't do any more. The troops were as good as they could be stationed on the walls. Now, God, the rest is up to you. He spread out those letters before the Lord and asked God for his help. I think we all can learn from him. If we receive news or have, maybe it's a letter from the doctor saying, listen, tests aren't looking so well. Or maybe it's a letter of a debt collector, a business is closing down, or you've lost your job. You know, it could be, or sometimes people have a letter that says, this marriage, I'm suing for divorce. Now we, that's just in writing. Some stuff is not written, but it happens, life happens. But whatever it is, be it in writing or an event, we can learn from this king, this amazing you, you, it's like a humble thing to do, but it's a godly, strengthening thing to do, to just kneel before God and lay it before Him. Say, Lord, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know what to do, more than what I've done. But I lay it before You, that You would give me wisdom, that You would help. And we read in 2 Chronicles 32 about this, that King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to heaven about this letter, this threat. And verse 21 says this, And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men. There was 185,000 of them that one single night. And the commanders and officers in the camp of the Syrian king. So, when he woke up the next day and saw his whole army annihilated, he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. Because he shouted his fist at the God of heaven. And he had conquered some of the cities. But God has the last word. And God took care of a situation that was impossible. On the screen, 
is a picture of Hezekiah's tunnel. I hope you can see it. It's a bit dark, but you can go to Israel if you know international flights are able to do that again. And you could go visit Hezekiah's tunnel. I think it's just an amazing testimony of what he did by the wisdom of God. But even in spite of his amazing feats, in the end he still needed to kneel before God and ask for God's help. And God provided a way. And what I want to conclude with is Psalm 46. Because Psalm 46 was written being inspired by these events of what happened with Hezekiah. So this is the psalm reflecting on the deliverance of God by that angel and how Hezekiah had dug a tunnel to provide water that would last them during the time of the siege. So, um, Sharon, in a moment, can you go up to your mic just now? Sharon's going to sing an item song. The music team's going to help her where we're going to be singing about living waters. But I want you to read Psalm 46. It's going to be on the screen. Can you do that? It's, I didn't warn us. It's unprepared. <clears throat> but read for us. And keep in mind what we've just heard about Hezekiah and about Jesus saying, He is for us and He is the living well within us. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, thought its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within us. Sorry, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, that's just beautiful, and you can just stay in your position. We're going to nearly sing. Um, I'll, ra- I'll close with this. For all of us, wherever we find ourselves in life, may we drink and share God's living waters. Can we just let it well up within us and let it flow from us that people may see that God is good. Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Lord, we, we think on what we heard today, that you, you've come and, and you've given us your Holy Spirit, and you, you say that your Holy Spirit will be like a fountain inside of us, bubbling up living waters, and that it will flow forth from us. 
Lord, help us to be a people that uh, don't suppress and cover up this fountain of life. That we don't let it run dry, but rather that we would be seeking your face and seeking always to have this river of life within us, your spirit, well up and to the point of overflowing so that people around us can see and taste God is good. For any here, Lord, today that might be thirsting for something more, something deeper, something real, we know that nothing in this world can quench that deep thirst in our spirit. But you can, and you do it, Lord. We ask that you'd meet us all in such a way even today. Fill us up with more of you. We pray in Jesus' name. Can we all say amen, amen.